0: Morning, morning. A couple things before I launch in. Uh, First is um, most of you know that have been around for a while that during the summer I take a bit of a break. Um, I take self-care, soul care, very seriously, and I hope I get that uh, across to you as well. So I need to I need to live what I preach, and so um, I. I'm at a, a, a point of being really fatigued and worn out and tired from uh, a long and fruitful year of ministry. So I covet your prayers, church. I covet your prayers. Please remember to pray for your pastor that I would be restored, um, that I would be refreshed, and that I would have intimate encounters with God. I'm not going anywhere. I'll be around. I just... No idea what that's about. But anyway, I will be around. Um, see you on Sundays, which gets me to the next thing, which is um, I'm going to kind of wrap up the sermon series on spiritual gifts today. But in the upcoming weeks, um, we have great women and men who are gifted teachers and preachers in our church. And I look forward to hearing from them as they get to share God's word with you. So I pray that you will take a break from church Continue to come, invite your friends as we hear from the larger body. All right? So anyway, uh, we want to jump in today uh, as we, uh, as much as I don't want to sort of stop talking about spiritual gifts because we can go for weeks, I do need to kind of conclude this portion here today. Uh, And we may pick this up back in the fall. Um, Here's where we began. And, And some of you are sick of seeing this and some of you are like, I love it when he does this. Let's talk about the circles of alienation. Yay? Okay, that's good. But I'm going to make it really quick for those of you that have been around. So this is where we started in terms of why we talk about spiritual gifts. We talked about how when sin entered the world, a number of things happened. First thing that happened when man decided, I will not live under your rule and reign, God, I'm going to be my own master. First thing that happened is what we would call spiritual alienation. Spiritual alienation is when man hides from God. The life-giving relationship that man was supposed to have with God is now fractured. Man is alienated from God. But that's not the only thing that happened in the fall. Some of us grew up in churches where we thought that the cross and the resurrection was only about that, but that's not the only thing that happened. The second thing when we were cut off from God is we literally became cut off from ourselves. So we call psychological alienation. When we don't know who God is, we don't know what. Who we are, you've been created by your Creator to find your identity, significance, and worth in Him. When we reject God as our Creator, we begin to search and seek for other things to find identity and significance, only to find, of course, those things are empty and vain. It's not the only thing that happens, though. Psychological alienation then leads to sociological alienation. When man hides from God, they also begin to hide from each other. Where there once was vulnerability, trust, and transparency, now there's hiding, pretending, wearing masks. James 4 says that that eventually leads to wars among you as your inner passions are at war with each other. How do you explain what's going on in our world today? Spiritual alienation leads to psychological alienation leads to social. That's not the only thing that happened. The last thing that happened was physical alienation. All of creation now is under the curse and is to decay. All these are chain reaction that occurred when sin entered. If you don't understand this perspective, the Bible will not make sense. Or the Bible will seem like it as holes. But the scripture says from Genesis to Revelation, this is the entirety of what happened. Look around you, pay attention. Now, what does this have anything to do with spiritual gifts? It has everything to do with spiritual gifts, why? The text we've been at is Ephesians chapter four. We're gonna pick up at verse seven. We're gonna pick up at verse seven. But each one of us, to each one of us, grace, charismata, gifts, has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. These seemingly very confusing verses make perfect sense when you realize that to ascend is not just physically. We think ascend as physically to descend and physically to ascend. That's not the only way it means. To ascend literally means what? To come into power. The king ascended to the throne. To ascend means to come to power, to rule. And when Paul talks about how Jesus ascended on high, he's talking about how Jesus has ascended to the throne. He has ascended to rule. He has ascended to ultimate power. He's talking about what, church? The kingdom of God. And what is he doing as he establishing the kingdom of God? Paul uses this interesting metaphor, this imagery of a king who goes to battle. In those ancient days when the king went to battle and defeated his enemies, he would return to his city with the enemies and spoils from the war in tow. And this king, this king, what he is doing is he is distributing the spoils from war with his people not just keeping it for himself. And he has Jesus in mind when he says, listen, Jesus descended from heaven, fought the ultimate battle against the ultimate enemies of Satan's sin and death, and he overcame it via the cross." And resurrection. Paul, and Paul gets to this in Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. Again, these verses just come alive when you realize the significance of the holistic gospel. Verse 15, having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. He has this imagery in mind of King Jesus returning, defeating Satan, sin, and death. He's ascended to the throne from which, check this out church, he is distributing spiritual gifts. So what have we been saying for four weeks? What are spiritual gifts? Spiritual gifts are what? Literally kingdom powers given to followers of Jesus to bring somebody under the lordship of Christ in such a way that there would be healing and restoration in that person's life, in that community, in that world. Spiritual gifts. I don't know what y'all taught some of you. Nothing short of ministry powers that Christ has to bring someone under the lordship of Christ in such a way that they don't. And here's the powerful truth that we need to come around. Whenever Christ Jesus is lord of something, there's healing. Whenever Jesus is lord of something, there's healing. Let me give you two quick examples. If I have a relationship that's fraying and fracturing, I know exactly what needs to happen. I need to bring that sucker, what? Under the lordship of Jesus Christ. I need to ask myself, where in this relationship am I not obeying what scripture says? Am I holding a grudge? Am I unwilling to forgive? Am I failing to pray? Am I failing to give this priority that it needs to have? Bringing that relationship under the lordship of Jesus Christ means we say, God, where am I not obeying and surrendering and yielding to this? Those of you that are married, or in any relationship, you know this. You know this. I just officiated a wedding yesterday. Every time I officiate a wedding, I need remind a couple, the only way that this will work is if you bring it under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? Where you have to go, what does he say? I need to obey. It's not just in relationships, it's in my heart too. For those of us that are anxious and worry-prone. You know what needs to happen over time for that anxiety and worry to be dealt with. I need to bring it under what? The lordship of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? That means that those of us that function from the perspective of, I know that you're king and you're lord in charge of history, but when it comes to my own life, I don't know if I know what you're doing. Worry is failure to give Jesus kingship. It's you saying, I know better. So over time, what needs to happen is we bring that relation, it bring that anxiety and worry and saying, God, I refuse to be king. I refuse to be Lord. By the way, I just want to point out something. That we try and take control of areas where we need to let Jesus be king. And then we abdicate areas of our lives we actually need to be in control. Why do we do that? Why do we try and control areas of our lives we have absolutely no control over? And areas of our lives where we do have control over, we go, oh, you take care of that. Bring it under the lordship of Jesus Christ so that there's healing, anxiety, relationships. When everything is brought into kingship and lordship. Now, so what is spiritual gifts? It's literally helping a person, a community, be brought more under the lordship of Christ. There's healing and restoration. That's why for four weeks I've said to you guys, And it's been encouraging to hear from some of you. The spiritual gifts isn't just about here and what we do in church. It's unbiblical and unhelpful to say to followers of Jesus, your gifts are just for the church and in the church. It's for kingdom work out there. Amen? So I affirm those of you that are using your gifts in your jobs, in your homes, in your schools, in your neighborhoods. Use it. To bring somebody more under the lordship of Christ that there's healing. Keep doing your work. Having said that, (laughs) there's a pivot now. Having said all that, the Bible also says what? Your gifts are needed where? In the church. So there's a, come on somebody. So there's there's unfortunately imbalance in my preaching because I did four weeks of kingdom work out there and then I'm going to do one of church. Hopefully I'll pick this back up. We pack up for Ephesians chapter 4. We haven't gone over these verses yet. And this is where we're going to be parked for the rest of today. Verse 11. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that, say the following words with me. The body of Christ may be built up. It doesn't get any more clear than that. It's not just for equipping you for kingdom work out there, but God has gifted you so that the body of Christ, the church, would be built up. Before I talk about that, uh, just real quick, give me a couple minutes, The, the list of gifts, by the way. The list of gifts. We talked about Ephesians 4 and the list of gifts here, and there's four other passages that lists various spiritual gifts. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, 1 Peter. And I said two things. The list in the Bible is not, not exhaustive, but illustrative, meaning not every single spiritual gift, I think, is listed in the New Testament. And secondly, they reflect the threefold ministry of Christ, of prophet, priest, and king. So I went over these really quick. Let me just do one thing. Remember, we have a packet for you, okay, that Caitlin and Sarah worked extremely hard at. Okay? And we passed these out. We've been passing these out. They literally give detailed descriptions of what the gifts are, how to use them. And I said to you guys three weeks ago, if you left here without getting one, I was going to chase you down and give you one. Um, there are packets available on the back for those of you that didn't pick it up. This is the best way for you to study these gifts. I don't want to spend a lot of time on it here, okay? They're listed. Now, what are the listed gifts? Real quick, we went over the prophetic gifts, exhortation, which is a gift of encouragement, teaching, prophecy pastoring, which is shepherding gift, evangelist, discernment, and missionary. Then under the priestly gifts, again, these are all in the packet. We have call giving, service, which is a diagonal gift, that's where we get the English word deacon, helps, and then healing and mercy and hospitality. And under the kingly gifts, we talk about leadership, administration, wisdom and faith. There are five gifts that I wanna talk about that are not necessarily specific in the New Testament. Five, here they are. One apostleship. Actually, Paul mentions this in Ephesians 4. What's apostleship? Apostleship is a spiritual gift to start and pioneer new ministries and new churches. Apostleship is this gift, entrepreneurial pioneering to go to places and to start churches and new ministries. Another gift that's not explicitly talked about is the gift of intercession. You ever meet somebody when they pray, you go, oh my gosh, I feel like they are in the presence of God. You know what I'm talking about? Not only that, but when they pray, God seems to answer their prayers. Intercession. I thank God for intercessors. Yesterday after the wedding, I talked to a bunch of people as I was walking out. There was a, a couple that was by the gate. They stopped me. They go, thank you for today. I said, you're welcome. And I was about to go, I said, can we pray for you? I was like, oh, okay, why not? In three minutes, they started praying and it's almost like they peered into my soul. They started praying for things. They had no idea. First time meeting them, no idea of stuff going on in my life. I got chills on my back. The intercession. Tongues. This ability to speak in a language unknown to the person. Okay? And a lot of times it's spontaneous. Interpretation of tongues is the ability to interpret someone who speaks in that. By the way, your pastor, if in case you know, I believe that all the spiritual gifts that were in, active in the New Testament are still active today. Can I, can I get an amen? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I do. I do, I do, I do. And if you, have, you want to talk to me, debate about that, we could talk after the church, okay? But I just read the Bible very simply. I just read it. Yeah, this is what it says. And then lastly, word of knowledge. Word of knowledge is someone who is able to speak and give direction and guidance about specific areas in their lives. All of these gifts. And God says... Every single one of you that follow Jesus, you have multiple clusters. Not just one, not just two, three, four. Gifts are lifelong. They also vary in strength. Obviously, some people are more gifted. In okay. Now, here's the point. What are all these given for? Paul says, go back to your scripture with me. So that the body of Christ may be built up. In other words, these gifts that you have, and find out what they are, They're not just for kingdom work, but they're to build up the body. That means that those of you who have gift of service and giving may be exercising your gifts with your neighbor who is financially and physically in need, or you may be using those gifts to serve in open arms here at church. For those of you, gift of exhortation, encouragement, might utilize those gifts to help your co-worker who's having marital problems, or you're utilizing those gifts to lead a married couple's Bible study in church. Some of you have gifts of, of, of teaching and you're utilizing these gifts in the larger kingdom out there or you may be utilizing those gifts in here. Those gifts are an exercise not just out there but for the building up of the body. That means, and I need to hammer away at this for the rest of today. That means this. That means, if I look up here. That means that if you are here, you've been given a gift that our church needs or you wouldn't be here. Hey. You are given gifts that our church needs, or you, that's not my opinion. It's scripture. You're given a gift that our church needs, or you wouldn't be here. In other words, new community has all the gifts needed for the building up of the body or else you wouldn't be here. Here's the problem. All the gifts needed are here, but not all the gifts are functioning. All the gifts are here, but they're not in operation. Just sit with that for like... 10 minutes. I'm just kidding. Are you? Did you hear what I just said? Christ apportioned it, each one, for the building. All the gifts are here for the building up of the body, or else you wouldn't be here. But not all the gifts are in operation. Not each part, as Paul says, is doing its work. This is the reason why, and I will say this again, and I am a freak of nature in our culture. I believe that people are called to churches. You don't make this decision guy. going, oh, I kind of like that. I kind of didn't like that. I kind of like, you don't make the, the consumer culture says you make this decision like that. We are called to church, which means when you are called to a church, you have been given corresponding gifts to fulfill that calling at that church. I know this completely goes against the IntelliDL culture. Come and go as you wish. Don't make any commitments. Don't be accountable to anybody. The Bible says you're called to a body because you have gifts that they need. Otherwise, God will call you, hello, elsewhere. I know for some of you, you're like, who talks like that in church? Don't we just get to go and come? And... No, we don't. You're called to local churches. <laughs> CC, are you hearing me this morning? Yes. Okay. <laughs> See, what if we approach finding churches from the perspective of what gifts do I have that that church needs that God is calling me to instead of what can I get? What can I get? What can I get? I don't like that. I don't like that. Why does he yell so much? <laughs> what if we approach it from the perspective of am I called here? What do I have to contribute that God is calling me here? Good Lord, see, see, I feel like, like, see, this is why I sound like a crazy man when I preach like this, right? Because churches will go, come and go. We never, no. If our, I'm okay. I need to go on because, verse thirteen. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we'll no longer be infants and tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will let all things grow up. Into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does this work. These verses are so sobering to me that I tremble at preaching them. And we could spend weeks on this metaphor of the church as the body, but man, it makes me fall on my knees and ask the Holy Spirit for help. Because the, 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 the thing that Paul gets at when he talks about the church as a body, first of all, Paul says, listen everybody, our ability to grow and mature is dependent on each part doing its work. Amen. Our ability to grow is each part doing its work. So just think about that. The entire aim of the Christian life is Christ-likeness. It's discipleship. It's becoming more and more like Jesus. We don't want to stay infants, do we? <laughs> Our ability to grow and mature is when each part, each person in the body is doing its part. Let me say it in the strongest terms possible. I've been pastoring this for 15 years, and I'm gonna say this: nobody, not one single person in our church has grown because of my preaching alone. Not a single person in our church has grown because of my preaching alone. Do you know why people in our church grew? Because there was somebody with gifts of exhortation who encouraged them when they were doubting their faith. Somebody with a gift of service met their needs when I had no idea what their needs were, physically and financially. Somebody with the gift of wisdom sat across when they had coffee and gave them direction about what they ought to do. Somebody with the gift of teaching led small groups. Somebody with hospitality welcomed them into their homes. Should I go on? I could list 30 examples. The only way that anybody has grown in our church is when each part of the body, what? Did its work. The way that anybody has ever grown and matured as a disciple around here is when each part of the body did its work. That means that our ability to fulfill the mission literally is not possible without you. It's not possible without you. It's as simple as that. It's not not possible without you doing your part and your role, the role that God has uniquely gifted you to play. There's another portion where Paul talks about the church as a body. And interestingly enough, it's the most extensive teaching. And he's talking about spiritual gifts here as well. And I want to go there with you, okay? I want to go there with you. Take out a couple implications and I'm done. 1 Corinthians 12 actually is. Some of you are familiar with this. Paul is talking about the, again, the church as the body of Christ. Okay? And he's talking about spiritual gifts. And listen to what he says in verse 14. The body is not made up of one part but of many. If the foot should say, I'm not a hand. I don't belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. it, It would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, come on, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? There are many parts, but one body. Church, what's our church's name? Yeah. So community is pretty important to us, yeah? Again, for 15 years, we've talked about community and the importance of community. How community is found in the very nature of God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And because we are creating the image of God, image of God, we are created for community. Basically, Christian life is impossible without community. It's impossible without community. Here's the thing though, it's one thing to give lip service. Yeah, yeah, I need community. I need community like I need oxygen. I need community and, and interdependence, otherwise. I, it's one thing to give lip service to it, but really live like it, right? Really live as if we sing with our lives, I cannot do the Christian life without community. I need other people. I need other people. Here's the thing, can I just, observation. You know what I've noticed? People who fundamentally understand this, i noticed, are not people who are just in small groups. Because literally, for a while, we're like, getting community, getting community, getting community. And we're going, why is it so hard for, because we're realizing, and this is so, it's like a ton of bricks. Putting people in small groups helps somewhat to live into this community. But do you know what I'm realizing? It's when people are not just in small groups, but they begin to, check this out, serve. And they see their fingerprints on the ministry here that the thing about community becomes real. Because here's what I'm realizing in Paul's argument. When you see your value to this body, you begin to see what? Other people's value to this body. When you begin to see the importance of your role to this body, not just headwise, but experientially, you begin to see the importance of other people's role to this body. And that thing about community, it's a good idea, all of a sudden begins to become real. So I'm realizing the thing that's keeping us from being a community, where we're not just committed to each other, but we're, listen to this word, knitted to each other. Knitted to each other, like a body. We talk about tight knit community. Knitted to each other. The thing that's hindering us from being knitted to each other is that some of you are coming and going and not functioning and doing your part in the body. What happens to a body? Please hear me. I'm not trying to manipulate you into serving guilt. We know in our church that doesn't work. I'm just stating the obvious. What happens to a body where the brain says, I'm going to stop working? What happens to a body where the lung goes, I think I'll stop working. What happens to a body where the heart goes, I think I'll stop working? Let's not be as serious. Your legs ever fall asleep? You know what that feels like? What happens when your legs... It doesn't just affect that part of the body. It affects what? The whole body. There's a difference between an aggregation and a congregation. Aggregation is like a bag of marbles. I wish I I actually had one at home. I was going to bring it. So imagine bag of marbles shaking, shaking. Aggregation is like a bag of marbles, meaning all the marbles are next to each other. They're pretty close, but they're slipping and sliding and not really knitted. Congregation is a body. It's a human body, interdependence. All the parts function in harmony, not neglecting, not competing, harmony. Otherwise, that body breaks down. My question, new community, are we a bag of marbles or are we the body of Christ? Verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts of the body we think are less honorable, which treat with special honor. God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that each part should have equal concern for each other. I've been talking about this for like three weeks, so I'll cap it and then we'll move on. Remember we talked about being in danger of... Beware of the danger of gift arrogance. How many of us are thankful and grateful for people who are gifted in ways that are way different from us? Can we get it? How many of us are grateful, thankful for people who are passionate about things that we're not even passionate about? Yes, yes. I hope you mean that. <laughs> because the danger of the body is what? Where we go, I'm passionate about this. I'm excited about this. What's wrong with you? So here's the question I pose. Are you disappointed that new community is not more like Jesus, or that it's not more like you? Are you more disappointed that new community isn't more like Jesus, or isn't more like you and me? See, 99% of the time, when we're frustrated, we're angry, it has nothing to do with what scripture says. We're kind of going, why aren't you doing that? Why aren't you doing that? Why aren't you doing that? And 99% of the time, it has nothing to do with disobedience to scripture. It's the stuff that we're passionate about. Can I ask you something? Can you count the blessings and benefits of new community as much as you see the failings and the weaknesses of this church? Can you appreciate what our church is for what it is? Even as you work towards making it what you want it to be. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I fear. That is mentality. I'm thinking, I think this is more important. I rather than, if you are someone here and you're seeing stuff, that you think ought to be better, you see stuff that you think should be, you know, working, or you think that's messed up, chances are it's because you have actually the gifts to do that thing. Can I get an amen? The reason why you could see it, you're like, ah, it bothers me. It's because you are probably gifted in that area to go, okay, so here's the thing. You could sit on the sidelines like much of this generation and go, complain, complain, complain. Or you could roll up your sleeve and say, I'm here to help. What can I do? You have two choices. I don't like that. I don't like that. That stings. Why they-? Rather than I'm gonna roll up my sleeves. I'm here to help. <sighs> See, ministry in the church, Shouldn't always be leaders going to you going and saying, can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? There ought to be ministry bubbling up all over the place and saying, I see a need. I see a need. I see a need. I see a need. What can I do? Man, can you tell I care about this? All right, let's finish it up. Verse 26. Oh, one more thing. So are you connected to the body like this? Or are you, and pastors hate this gift. You know what this gift is? And I'm being sarcastic. It's the gift of the free-floating mouth. It's it's the mouth that goes from church to church and going, Dad stinks. What's wrong with you all? What's wrong with you all? What's wrong with you all? It's that mouth that does that. And I want to gently pull that person aside and going, I thank God that he has created you uniquely. How about we... Put you to work in the areas that God has equipped you. Amen? All right. Let's finish this topic. Verse 26. If one part suffers, uh, this is my hardest, by the way, most challenging. Every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Has anybody ever hit their thumb with a nail? I'm sorry. See? You could tell that I've never hammered a nail. Ever? What I meant was ever hit your thumb with a hammer while you're trying to nail. That's what I meant. If you hit your thumb with the hammer, it's not just your thumb that hurts, right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Your eyes are watering. (laughs) Some of y'all, your mouth is at work too because you're cussing like a sailor, right? If one part of the body, this is a healthy body, hurts and suffers, what's supposed to happen? Everybody is supposed to feel that. When a mom in our church miscarries, we all feel that. When somebody is struggling in their marriage, we feel that, man. And someone, child, turns their back on God and runs away, we feel that. Here's the thing, though. Do you realize that in order to feel that, do you realize the level of connection that you have to have with them? Do you realize that for you to oh, impact somebody, do you realize that with that person, you have to be known and know them? Yeah. Do you realize that you have to have the level of connection where you have so intertwined your life with their life, and you've become known, and they know you to the depths, that there is that kind of, that. that's when you go, I feel. Are you connected like that here? You know what I struggle with this? Two things. One, it just simply says suffer with. It doesn't say do anything about it. <laughs> See, me? I would much rather, let me help you out. Bye, rather than, I'm just. The second part I struggle with, everybody, if there's anybody that resonates with this, I need you to let me know you resonate with this. Some people find it comforting that when they're suffering, there are other people who are suffering with them. I am not one of them. I like to suffer alone. Does anybody know? Brian, I li- I, you know what I feel? You know what I, You know what I like feeling less than pain? It's letting other people know that I'm in pain. It's admitting it. I am one of those people that like to pretend I'm above it. I don't want you to know I'm weak. I don't want you to know I have needs. I don't want you to know I don't. I would rather pretend and suffer alone than to actually, you know, humble myself and admit to you that I have a need. But do you know what I'm doing when I do that? Everybody look up here. Do you know what I'm doing when I do that? I am weakening the body. I am hurting the body. Do you know why? Because if I don't tell you I pretend and I don't share and allow my needs to be taken care of, I am robbing you with the gift of exhortation to encourage me. I am robbing you with the gift of wisdom to counsel me. I am robbing you with the gift of service to meet my needs. I am literally robbing you of functioning in your gift that God has given you. Yesterday, I sat at a coffee shop, and I'm going to try and not get emotional. I reached out to two people in our church that I love. thing. It's the hardest thing for me to do. Because I hate asking people for help. And I hate even more admitting that there's areas of incompetence in my life. I hate it with the passion. But I did it. And these two people sat there with me for two hours. Using their gifts. to minister to their pastor. When I hide and I pretend, I'm hurting you. I'm hurting the body. So here's what that means. Cece, you can come on up. If the church, the body of Christ, is to be the glory of Christ. In other words, we began with this throughout the New Testament. The church is the body of Christ. We are to display the glory of Christ, the glory of Christ. People ought to see in the church body the representation of Christ, the tangible, visible. That's, that's what the, if, if it's that serious, then here are the implications. And before I jump in, if you are not a Christian, just ignore me for two minutes. If you're a Christian who's new to our church and you're hurting, you're just hurting, ignore me for two minutes. If you're someone who's here for the first time, you too ignore me for two minutes. But everybody else, you listen up. If you just want to come here week after week after week and do nothing, I want to bless you by saying, go to a church that you could be a part of that body and serve. I'm not saying that to be a jerk, although I can be, ask my wife. I am saying that so that you could use your kingdom gifts to bless another church body and you could impact the kingdom. If God has gifted you, you're here because our church needs you or else you'd be elsewhere. someone says, I don't know what my gifts are. I have no idea what my gifts are. I might be this or that. Help me. Let me end with this. There are two things that I've continually said, and we will practice this in the fall in our small groups. One, remember what I said two weeks ago, try serving in a number of different capacities. Why? Because the New Testament essentially says, how do you find your gifts? He says two things, serve, serve, serve for others. That's what it's for. And secondly, you have a gift. Doesn't say a whole lot about how to discover it, which means that most likely what the scripture is saying, the way you discover your gifts is you serve and you serve and you go, oh, my heart comes alive. Oh, wow, that really excites me. Wow, people really help when I do that. Serve in a number of different, capacities. don't think that you know yourself. Don't limit yourself to, what oh, I think I'm... Serve in a number of different capacities. And secondly, remember, the figuring out gifts is a community affair. Seek the wisdom and affirmation of your church community. Do you know? Do you know? Do you know? Do you know? That is a young 22-year-old, 23-year-old. If it wasn't for a community of loving people who love me and sat there and said, you know, when you preach, you're all right. Now what they said was, when you teach the Bible, it's like the Bible comes alive. And Spirit speaks. There's some of you in here, that's how you'll discover your gift. Somebody will say, Every time you open the Bible and you say something, it's like, ooh, the community affirmation. Somebody says, whenever I talk to you, I walk away and I have more clarity. You may have the gift of wisdom. Somebody says, when you pray for me, I was healed. You may have the gift of healing. Somebody says, when you pray, it says if God just clears my head, you may have the gift of knowledge. And somebody says, you know when I was really in need and nobody cared? It was when you called me. Did I finally realize there's somebody here? The way that you discover your gifts is when the body says, did you ever think about that? And that is not possible unless you're connected to a group of people who you're saying, I'm here with and for you.